You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Microphone check, one, two, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I am your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Jeremy Dinsmore. Jeremy is the host of the Antler Up Podcast that's located right here on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. Uh, He's a pleasure to have on, and to be honest with you, the dude hunts similar to how I hunt. And so, you know, it's it's always good to talk to people like that it's always good to talk to to people who are completely different than you and really what that does is it just gets you well-rounded in all things hunting gear and equipment and that's why i have jeremy on today now topics of conversation today include new releases uh, and uh, i'll just kind of tell the abbreviated version of it right now the uh, I, i used to be a wrist release guy had a wrist release had a wrist release Every single year, felt comfortable with it. Can't find my wrist release this year, so I bought a True Fire thumb release several years ago, and it's been sitting on a filing cabinet in my office, I want to say in the exact same spot for seven years. And so I ended up picking it up and started using it, and here we go. I kind of like it. And so we talk about that on today's episode. We talk about uh, climbing methods. We talk about saddle hunting. We talk about um, how to adjust yourself uh, in the saddle. I am going to be using a saddle a lot more this upcoming season. And so uh, I, I need all the tips, tricks, and uh, tactics that I can. And, and Jeremy, he's been uh, hunting out of a saddle for quite a while now. And so I pick his brain on that. And, and, and really, those are the two main topics uh in today's podcast so i'm going to keep the intro short we got to do a commercial real quick and that commercial is for code blue sense and before i forget i have a discount code for code blue and that is nfc20 and that's going to get you 20 percent off any purchase from code blue sense uh website and here's you know obviously they have the scent elimination spray they have the um attraction sticks they have or the attraction type scents. 
the um, the synthetic scents, the uh, tarsal gland scents, the authentic urine, the real urine scents. And uh, what I am personally looking forward to using the most this year is the Rope-A-Dope Mock Scrape kit that uh, that they uh, are going to send me. And so I'm really looking forward to getting some mock scrapes set up, getting those put in to an area where deer live and getting them in front of a trail camera. And so hopefully I'll be able to get uh, more deer in front of my trail camera. And ultimately that's what I want. That's why I use mineral stations in the summer. That's why I put my trail cameras on heavy trails and, and pinch points. And that's why I'm gonna start experimenting with mock scrapes in order to just get deer in front of my trail camera. And the more deer I get in front of my trail camera, the more deer I'm gonna um, you know, know their routine, know how they hunt. And if they're a shooter caliber, I'm going to make a move on them. So really looking forward to uh, uh, using Code Blue Sense this, this upcoming season. So go visit CodeBlueSense.com. And really that's it, man. I, I It's that time of year where I need to take a day to go set out my trail cameras. I'm behind. I should have had it, I should have had them done in June. It's August. I'm, I'm actually getting ready to go to Florida for a week. And I still have a whole bunch of stuff to do before, heck, October 1st shows up. And I want my trail cameras out at least soaking all of September, all of October. So then when it's time to start making moves, I have uh, the more data, the better. Yeah, the most the most up-to-date, real-time data. So um, that's it. Uh, good vibes in, good vibes out. Enjoy the show. And, uh, you know, if you like the hunting gear podcast, go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and leave a five-star review and share it with your friends. So, uh, thanks again for taking time out of your day to listen. Enjoy this episode. Three, two, one. All right. I'm on the hunting, uh, obviously, uh, my man, I, I, every once in a while, I'll, I'll just get really tongue tied. I've done so many of these and usually they go pretty seamless, but, uh, just now I had a little bit of a tongue tie moment and, uh, uh, I, I just like have an immediate brain fart and then I have to, I don't take notes. So then I have to stop a second and I got to go, okay, what, what, what podcast is this? What am I going to talk about? And then just redo it in my brain. And so. Mr. Jeremy Dinsmore of the Antler Up podcast here on the Sportsman's Empire podcast is on the Hunting Gear podcast today. So thank you very much for making time to do this, man. Oh, dude, anytime. When you mentioned gear, I'm all for it, man. So let's let's dive into some fun uh, topics. Mm-hmm. Well, before we do that, how has your summer been in uh, Pennsylvania? Summer's been pretty good. Uh, did have been doing a lot of things on the honeydew list, uh, hanging out with my wife my daughter Mm -hmm. so that way i'm able to you know like i mentioned on the uh, nine finger chronicle uh, episode last week have a a variety of different hunts lined up so the hopefully allow me to sneak away here and there on some quick little trips and do all that stuff so but i've been did a lot of postseason scouting kind of in that february march april time frame uh, and then june i did a little bit more so back at home in northeastern pennsylvania where i grew up hunting where I still do a majority of my hunting in Pennsylvania. But what I'm doing now is all the public land where I live that I hunted, or I'm sorry, that I scouted in February, March, and April, I'm going back to those spots now to place cameras and see what they kind of will hold for me uh, come fall. 
How many trail cameras do you have out right now? Uh, right now I have half of mine, which is about 15 and I have another 15 that I still need to deploy. So you have 15 trail cameras out. Now I want, I want you to ask me that same question. How many trail cameras do you have out right now, Dan? Zero. <laughs> I have zero. Dude, I feel so behind right now. And this, this summer is ridiculous and, and I'm not, I don't want to make excuses because there's, I'm sure there's always time to get out and do stuff. The issue that I, I have run right. into is I got one farm that's an hour and a half away. I got another farm that's three hours away. And so like, it's just, it's, it's really hard to just quick buzz down there and, and go get them. And uh, the, I, right. like I, I mentioned in earlier episodes of the Nine Finger Chronicles, I lost the farm that was close to my house. So it's it's not it's not real quick anymore. It's not hey let's just yeah. go do something. So now I got to take all, like full days to go do something. And my goal is this Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, leave real early in the morning and come back real late at night and and hopefully if not maybe spend the night somewhere. And, and knock it out and try to knock some of this stuff out quickly. Yeah. I think too, it's, I, I know how you feel. And mm -hmm. in the sense of saying you feel behind, I mean, I have friends that were like me that have 30 cameras or whatever it is, but they have yet to put any out and won't, they're changing their strategy, not till September when that deer shift kind of happens mm -hmm. where for me, like I said earlier with the 15 that are already out, Dan, about 10 of those have been out all year. They're like yeah, 10 yeah. soakers. So, I mean, I've thrown only a little bit. And my thought process is that I, the 15 that I still have to put out, a couple of those I'm going to put in areas that I actually had them out last year for all year that I really didn't yeah. hunt. So I'm just kind of, I'm basically fine tuning those with a fine comb. And then if yeah. I find a, couple good really good scrapes and i found the scrape that i want to hang mine on that's close to bedding close to that food and kind of checks off all the boxes then that's when i'll throw that like a new one up basically right right yeah it makes sense i uh like i was running i had i was i was paying for all of these cell cams and it was about february or march when i just was like I disconnected all of them or well, yeah. I didn't disconnect them. I just put the plan on pause. And so, yep. so you're not, I'm not getting charged for it for them. Yep. Um, and, and so I was running, a, I was running a lot of cameras and I, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't, there was no pictures, no, nothing. I mean, there was just a yep. bunch of really small deer coming through or does and fawns or nothing at all. Grass, to be honest yeah. with you. And so I'm looking to, I'm looking to start turning all that stuff back on and, and start collecting data again. Yeah. I'll tell you what, real quick, before we dive into another topic, you had me rolling uh, yesterday because I was working out and I was listening to the episode that you did with Mark, where it was the whole go back to listen to episode one. Oh yeah, yeah. On the you yeah. were, you were listening to the Wired to Hunt podcast. Wired to Hunt. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was listening to the Wired to Hunt podcast that you did with him recently, where yep. you you know talked about it that it's been 10 years since the podcast, 15 since Mark started Wired to Hunt, all that stuff. Yep. And the part <laughs> the part when you go, 
yeah, real small buck, that 130. And, <laughs> and, and, and Mark cut you off, and Mark goes, Dan, there's so many Michigan hunters. And I'm thinking, Michigan hunters won. I'm like, PA guys are probably like, this friggin' asshole. I was cracking up just while I was working out. I thought that was good. Oh. I couldn't wait to tell you that. I'll tell you this, man. I, I um, there When I started hunting, right, mm-hmm. all of my information came like when I, when I first started getting serious into this, like 2006, um, is when I like kind of jumped back into it. But I mean, everything before that, I was reading North American whitetail. I was reading, um, outdoor life and, uh, field and stream. Those were the three magazines. I, I didn't watch a lot of videos, um, until a little bit later on when you would get like real tree monster bucks. Or right. um, what are what were some of the other old VHS eight uh, VHS oh, tapes? I mean the the real tree monster box one, like yeah. the ones with uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. or oh, Dale yeah. Earnhardt, and all, yep. like all those ones yep. back in the day. Yep. And so um, monster box, and then real tree road trips, and and things like that that were on on VHS tapes. And so I thought every state was equal like big bucks were equally distributed across all states (laughs) so did i yeah until until i started doing the content part of this and i start meeting people from michigan and pennsylvania and new york and and alabama and whatnot and then you realize you know so when i start talking to them about you know passing 130 inch you know three-year-olds their minds are blown and they're just like what are you talking about so yeah. there's this whole like you have like oh there's no such thing as a four-year-old in your state uh, and i'm over here like taking all this for granted because everything i've ever seen anywhere was only about focused on giant racked antlers so i thought giant racks were just equally distributed all over all over the u.s and um and so there was a big like of multiple years where you're educate, you're getting educated because you're having conversations with other people about, dude, I'm, I'm shooting 130 inch, whatever age it is every single year. It walks by me in my state. Yeah, I know. I just, I thought it was just so funny just yeah. the way that the conversation went and I'm like, I just loved it. Yeah. Have you changed up? Uh, let's, let's flip to the gear talk now. Have you changed up any equipment recently? Yeah, so um, one of the main things is I've talked about it on on my podcast, and I did a podcast with the guys from Exodus uh, last year with Cam mm-hmm. uh, for his kind of like gear podcast. We talked about releases when it comes to obviously your your shooting style, yeah. and you know, growing up just like anybody else, I had that index index finger, and to kind of give you to paint the big picture here, Dan, like you were just saying, I would say about five years ago up until that point i was just i shot really great i was extremely confident in my ability like if you were like hey jeremy let's let's do that like i wouldn't get nervous right i didn't know i didn't have that feel until i dove down the rabbit hole of like wow this this is like any other sport uh, where it's very technique driven mm-hmm. and because i just shot right and i right. shot really really well and really confident so then once I dove into that, it messed me up so bad. Like it was like the worst thing I could have ever done to myself because yeah. I started developing that target panic and other things and really focusing on my form. And then I wouldn't say I'd 
but the thing about the target panic was I didn't, I did not know I developed it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I was still shooting like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, I need to shoot a thumb button because John Dudley says this is like the best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I went down that rabbit hole. I shot that and it was terrible. Like there's a video that I, I should actually like take down from years ago, but I'm like this in the in the camera and then you just see me go whack oh <laughs> like, yeah just, yeah punching just, it yep just smash it with my thumb and i'm I, I just say to myself what in the heck is that and then i work through things went to the index uh again work through that and the last year i actually used a uh, uh one of the the carter back tension index style releases mm -hmm. and it helped me out tremendously where that whole year last year i've went through the process of like if this is the the trigger i'm wrapping my full finger on there and i know it's not going to go off until i really engage my back muscles slash like like pull through so since then i always really enjoyed that thumb button uh anchor point if that makes sense yeah so uh the last a little bit tinkering through this uh winter months this this and all spring and all summer i've now shooting the uh, ultra view button, but I feel tremendous with my ability right now and my headspace. So I'm back to shooting a thumb button like solely for, for this uh, upcoming year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, but I was looking around. Okay. So here's, here's the full story. Um, I need, this is my third year with this bow. Um, I got a, uh, a Bowtech solution and it's my third mm -hmm. year with it. Strings were getting pretty raggedy. So I bought a, an AAB, right? Is that the name of the, yep. Yep. A, yep. A, 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 America's best bow strings, ABB. Yep. ABB. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, so I bought a, a ABB. This time I add a little color to it. First time I've ever had color on a, on a string. So it's red and black. It matches my bow real nice because I got a... Uh, a gray bow and then on those Bowtex they have like these little red uh the lock systems that that you can yep. tinker with uh for adjustments and so um it, my bow looks kick I mean this looks kick ass now anyway so I get I get my bow set up and I can't find my wrist release from last year I, I'm looking everywhere for it and I can't find it so I'm like I want to shoot my bow so I picked up this thumb release that I had. It's a uh, true fire. And I started shooting with uh, a thumb release. And I'll tell you, even to go back a little bit further, it was two years, three, this will be three years with it. But three years ago, I went into a shop and I started, I was drawing my bow back and the guy go, and I said, he goes, what size are you? I said, I'm a 29. And I start drawing back, drawing back. And he goes, no, dude, you're short. You're 30. And so uh, I've started shooting 30 inches, or excuse me, 30-inch draw. And it's made 
life a little bit easier for me, to be honest with you. I feel more comfortable at full draw. The draw itself is smoother. I don't feel like I'm, you yeah. know, crunched at, at full draw. You know, there's sometimes if, if you're short, your body wants to go back further, but it's at max capacity. And so you can't, I mean, I just felt like I was holding it. Now I can actually enjoy the let off a little bit more and just relax yeah. at full draw. And so like that combined with this new thumb draw or the thumb uh, release that I'm uh, using, it's dude, I'm, I'm really, I'm liking it. I'm not a hundred percent there yet, but by the end of the summer, man, I'm going to be like, I, I pulled up last night at 60 and I mean, I was hitting, I was hitting a paper plate at 60 yards and I haven't even fine tuned everything yet. So yeah, I'm really looking, I'm really looking forward to the next couple weeks to really start fine tuning my bow, getting really comfortable with that thumb release. But I feel like I got a, I almost have a benefit from having a missing finger. And I, I, when I'm at full draw, I can put that nub, the nub of my finger right into my chin, like the back of my chin and, and like put my thumb up my thumb when I go to squeeze it right underneath of my chin right here and it just it sets in there so perfect and then i just squeeze and it it just makes everything i don't know it just everything feels a little bit more comfortable and i'm shooting darts yeah. man and, and i'm it's uh i, I like no, it so great. far yeah that's great let me show you because i have it right here so what i did one of the things and i think it's kind of really important to talk about is your placement of your thumb Oh, while it's on the trigger. So I went to an archery shop one time and, and the individual that was working there that owns the shop, he's a really great shot. So he was helping me out. This was when I was shooting a thumb button mm-hmm. and I knew if I ever went back to it. So I was getting away from it basically at that point in time, just because of, of my technique was horrendous. And what I was doing then was obviously I was just smashing, right? I couldn't yeah. feel comfortable putting my thumb on it without knowing that it's not going to go off. Right. And what he showed me is now when I run my barrel, I don't run it fully out. I run it kind of really in. And yep. what that's allowing me to do is feel comfortable. I have it kind of in that, uh, like that divot right in my, my finger. So it's far back. Now yep. you've seen people where they clasp their two fingers and their thumb. I was doing that and I felt, totally comfortable doing it where it was that was deep in in the throat of my my uh hand there and i would pull the thing that i noticed though is if i wasn't really consistent with my pull through Mm -hmm. and my my accuracy was kind of pretty crappy so what i since have gone to is like i just said i don't touch but i just have it as deep as i can and once i'm there as, as i pull it like kind of I, what I end up doing is kind of is engaging my pinky that causes that to in, like go off basically then because yeah. it's my whole hand compressing. And that has been tremendous with that longer range accuracy for me. Mm. So that's just, I don't know. I just think of where you place that barrel or whether it's a big one, a, a thin one. I think that is a really critical component of that because if you're not consistent with that, mm-hmm. your shot will not be consistent. My triggers also, in like yours yeah i don't necessarily do the pullback though i do mm-hmm. the hand squeeze so from, and, yeah because yep. i i've talked to nate uh sellers from average jack Ar- archery he he his shop is literally two minutes from my house and mm-hmm. 
he, he we really converse a lot and he's a great shot he shot in the lancaster archery he does all a bunch of 3d different things indoor stuff and you know i what i liked about what he was saying when he was showing me more so of like just engaging your hand like your whole hand instead of just your thumb and I, he made a video it's a trigger so mm. it needs to be it, it somehow it needs to be comp- it needs to be pressed yeah right like we talk about all this back prep mm-hmm. tension and pulling through like it, you're going to have that because of even if you in, squeeze it now if you're just here and smashing it yeah you're it's not going to move back but it was just interesting to hear someone that competes basically and saying it's a trigger it's not so it does need to be compressed and needs to be pushed basically funny squeezed funny story i was in shields um testing out uh bows and thumb releases uh well it was my own bow i brought it in there and my i i don't know what happened i must have let go of the the thumb release as i was drawing so it i was at full draw and it, i don't know what happened this is like one of the first five shots out of a thumb release and my hand just went like this it opened up the thumb release went into the bow bounced back hit me in the cheek and i had to go to the hospital and get butter um i didn't have to get any stitches i don't think but i had to get butterfly sutures across my face no way yep because it bounced back off the bow and hit me in the face Oh, you know, like I've been shooting bows for so long. I felt, I felt just <laughs> like a rookie. I felt embarrassed. Like all these people are like, dude, don't you have a podcast where you talk to people about hunting and bow hunting specifically? I just felt like a douche, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're like this freaking guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say the other thing that I'm really, that will be new to me is I'm not one sticking. I'm still using three sticks with an aider. However, what I noticed last year with an aider, which for me, I'm a short individual. I'm mm-hmm. only five, seven. So I, I need that to get to certain heights. Like I know you can only hunt one stick off the ground. Like I, I understand all that stuff and I, I get that. But for majority of my hunts, I, I usually am 15 to 20 feet. And with an aider coming down, regardless if it's light out or dark out it's just a really un like natural uncomfortable mm-hmm. thing to do and i know there's hundreds thousands of people that could do it with, with their eyes closed climbing up i feel really good i have no issues with it climbing up coming down those where the issue kind of comes about so what i'm doing this year is i'm still using my three sticks with an aider but i'm going to repel down the tree this year so okay. basically once i get to that that first stick i'll kind of come off to the side i'll undo it you know lower it to the ground repel down to that next dip stick to the next stick and then obviously to the ground and then i'll i'll bring it you know, bring it out of the woods with me that way man there's so many like ways yeah. to climb a tree i know a guy who hunts um he hunts he hunts in his backyard and he, he lives in like a, a bow hunt, like one of those rural bow hunting areas, which he has his tree stand. But then he goes to like state parks and he has a traditional bow and he takes part in one of those. Like it's basically an overpopulation hunt where mm-hmm. you shoot a handful of you just shoot. You can shoot does in there, basically. And he right. takes part in that. And he does the method where it's a sack 
and on the end of this string is a weighted beanbag. And he'll throw the beanbag up in the tree, and it'll come down, and then he pulls a rope up in it. He'll pull that down, which and that rope's attached, that thin rope's attached to a climbing rope, and then he'll get that somehow situated, and then he'll be able, he climbs the tree with just a rope somehow um, on his feet and on his hands. It's like, a, I don't know, uh, it's like a toggle, uh, you know, yep. where you, it just goes click, 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 and then you pull yourself up, click, 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 yep. click, 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 and it pulls yourself, almost like a ratchet strap type deal. And then he'll get up there and he'll set his platform up in his saddle, uh, and that's how he does it. No sticks, and and so I'm just like, man, that just seems that that's awesome because everything he has can fit into the palm of his hand. But I don't know, man. I, I'm a pretty big dude, and I don't. I I feel like if I was yeah. to try something like that, and it was windy, I would just be like, you ever seen one of those? Uh, the San Francisco Bridge when it's real windy and and yeah. it starts to wave, I, I would feel like that. Yeah, I I want to make uh, the Batman grab grappling uh, launcher <laughs> just be like this. <laughs> let it go, let it hook around, and just pull myself. Yep, up. and two hundred pounds gets pulled right up the tree somehow off his off his belt. Yeah, yeah, the utility yeah. belt. I would be dumb. I, I I'd be so dumb where I would pick the the. Uh, tree branch that would just as soon as i would pull up it would just break break that, yep. like i just yep yeah like i would have no i, I would just be it would be like dark out and i'd be like oh there's the perfect spot do you there yeah. goes the tree branch yeah but, so so right now I'm, as far as i have a pair of tethered sticks that i i'll be using mm -hmm. but i but here's here's where i don't know if i've told anybody this story i, I might have but Oh, I put an order in for, I, I, it was 20, 20 climbing sticks, all right? That's, okay. I ordered four stands, four old lone wolf stands. Uh, this was several years ago. And 20 sticks because, uh, you know, that's, I don't know, it was five stands, 20 sticks, and that's four sticks for each each stand. And so I ended up, getting and the order i paid for 20 sticks but they sent 20 sets of four and because i at the same time uh lone wolf uh lone wolf got turned into novex so yep. everything that i had was lone wolf branded and so when i went hey uh like i you guys sent me 20 and they're like eh, just keep them Right. Wow. So I have, I still have like seven unopened boxes of sticks in my garage. That, I mean, I'll, I'll eventually use them over time, but right. but what I'm gonna do is like I, I literally, if I find a good spot, I just go set sticks there and I and put a tree stand up. But when I leave, I leave the sticks there, and I just take the stand down with me. Now in public, I'm taking everything down, but right. but on on that little piece of property, man, I'm just like. Holy smokes! I I mean, I have all these sticks. So anyway, my running gun setup is lone wolf sticks, just because I have so many of them. And then I wrap them in uh, I wrap them in hockey tape just to deaden them down and to get a better grip on them. And I, I carry everything into the stand, uh, everything into the the woods with me on a bow holder. So I, I put the bow holder in and I can strap them in and I just throw it over my shoulder. That way, when I get to the tree, 
I don't have to take my backpack off to get the stands out. I can just start working my way up the tree uh, right away and not have to worry yeah. about anything. That's nice. Yeah, back at, like I was mentioned earlier, in northeastern Pennsylvania where I hunt a lot, where I grew up, it's private land, and mm -hmm. there's a bunch of little spots where I've screwed in the old kind of, you know, screwing step, and I've placed, like what you just said, a ton of older sticks that I've had laying around from growing up. My mm -hmm. dad has had, you know, all that stuff, and we don't really have some have tree tree stands in them that like i don't really use those ones just because those spots are really mainly for him but there's i would say i think i have about three three tree setups where it's just the sticks and i'll get up i'll be able to just quickly climb up say in the morning mm -hmm. and i'll just put on my predator platform from tethered uh you know tether in basically and then i'm good to go yeah Man. it just makes it that, that step easier you know what i mean yeah exactly and so i think on some of my private ground, usually this is what I have been doing. My on my private ground uh, that I hunt, I, I you know, like I have historically good rut spots. So then, mm -hmm. you, usually what happens? I'll go in, I'll set one of the good rut spots, and then from there I'll say, okay, this deer's working this, or I'll check trail cameras and I'll say, hey, this deer's working this little area, and so then I'll I'll go and I'll set up. Um, this year I didn't do it because I tagged out fairly early, uh, with my saddle, but earlier in October, I went into the new farm that I had and I was running gun, running and gunning, um, off of, uh, one tree stand. So I was, I was, uh, I, I would go in, I set a tree stand, basically observed. And then when I went to go, go in for the kill, uh, mm -hmm. I would have, I'd be in my saddle. And so yeah. I only hunted that way a couple times, but I'll tell you this right now, I am, I'm really looking forward to this new lockdown saddle from Tether. Yeah, you have the lockdown. I was going to say, yeah. don't you have the lockdown? Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, um, I, I, because the one thing that I like about the lockdown compared to, let's say a regular, Damn. a regular saddle is just the pockets. I, I felt like I was having to dig for something because I didn't have, I, I didn't run any of those little pouches that came okay. with it. I, yep. I would put them in my pockets or cargo pants or in my jacket or hoodie pockets. And, and so then when I would go in, I was f like having to dig into them. Well, this is, they're all right there now. Yeah. And so I just, I'm going to be able to unzip, grab, you know, pull my bow up or screw in a hook, hang my bow, screw in my Ozonics, screw in anything that I want. And I feel like it's just going to, I'm going to have to, rely less on my backpack and more on the the saddle itself which is i think is kind of cool yeah mine is on the way i'm really excited to get mine like i've it's so funny because i've i have my my setup dialed of course and then now this new one's going to be coming in but there's certain aspects of it that i think of my style of hunting that i really that's the reason why I will transfer over to to that. And I'm still going to run my Phantom for certain situations and everything like that. Yeah. However, but the the way the lockdown, that five extra inches of extending, mm -hmm. right? Like we like that's not a new thing. Like Arrow Hunter made that years ago. The thing that makes the lockdown that so much better is because of the that a bungee cord basically. So when it's you know when it's not in use, it goes right back to the that normal shape that it is. Yeah. But that extra five inches. I'm a sitter. I like being as close to the tree as possible. That's what I 
found to be tucked in and, and being able to, I could get away with, I think more mm -hmm. movement that way as well. Yep. So with that, I just, that extra five inches is I think really beneficial. So if anybody that is a saddle hunter that really likes to have their knees into the tree and like be in that sitting position, so they call it, I would really try to try one of the lockdowns out because I, I told the guys over at tethered the first time I sat in it at working at show, I was like, ah, I like, I almost didn't want to try it. Cause I liked my setup so much. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got in it, Dan, and I put my knees into the tree, I was like, wow, this is comfortable. And Carl goes, you know, use the extend it. And as soon as I did that and I sat down, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, that's where I was. I was sold right then and there just because I, with your setup and the, you know, I, when I explain this to people, we have our bows that have, you know, micro adjustable rest, micro adjustable sights. Your saddle is that same thing, right? The number one thing you have to do is obviously have your saddle on correctly where a lot of people, it's, it's a natural thing. will run it high because mm -hmm. it's, you know, we're so used to putting our pants on and it, our pants are at a certain level where if you are running the tethered phantom, so to speak, that the way the shape of it with being a football, it needs to be actually lower on your body. Like it, where your belt loops are, that is at the bottom of your belt loop on your pants is where I, the top of my saddle is. So like number one, you need to have your, the saddle on correctly. And then number two, with all the micro adjustability that you have, your tether height, your bridge length, your comfort channels on that. So there's, you are really able to fine tune like your specific setup. And obviously what I might find comfortable, you may not and vice right. versa. So that, that I think is really critical to like now what we're discussing here at the end of July, like if you are transitioning into the saddle or you ran it last year and you're like, eh, 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 now's the time to just get a foot off the ground and really yeah. fine tune your setup because come fall, you're, you're going to be very thankful that you did because then you, you're going to be able to sit those all day sits yeah. and not have to worry about, Oh my gosh, this is the worst thing. When am I done? And focus on when's this deer coming and I need to make this shot. Yeah. What's the, um, so what you're saying is that it's less about supporting the back and more about getting that, um, really to cover your butt your hips and and then your upper legs yeah so like when you look at it i mean obviously there's different body frames and mm -hmm. all that type of stuff but when when you have that on correctly like I, where i was stating that that pressure you're not really going to feel that in your back and then that's where like the depending on where you put your bridge height so for me i like mine i'm a, i'm right in the middle of the road i'm either even with my, like where my tethers tied off at is either right at my nose or right below it basically. And then I usually have a, a hand length from my, uh, if, I, if we're just talking regular tether and uh, rope and not using the rappel rope. So a handful from that and my rope man, and then my bridge tag is usually about a hand length as well. And I could lengthen that too a little bit. And what that does for me, Dan, is I'm comfortably able to lean and without really any pressure on my back or anything mm -hmm. along those lines. And then that will also allow me to put my knees into the tree without adjusting my tether height. I'm, I'm literally in that fixed position. The only thing that I would need to do is if I want to wrap around the tree from my strong side to shoot to my weak side mm -hmm. where I might drop down to my step 
to get a little bit more distance. And all I'm going to do then is I, I like using the rope man just because of fast one hand adjustment. I will just loosen that up, drop it maybe an inch, two inches where I'd be able to maneuver around the tree even more. And that's honestly that that's, I try to keep it that kiss it, you know, principle, keep mm. it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, and that's what I found really works for me. And if once I hit maybe a four hour, five hour mark on a hunt, I will grab that back band out mm -hmm. just to relieve a little bit of tension, uh, if needed, but then in the second I see a deer or anything, I just loosen those up on the side and it, that will automatically fall down and it will be in line with my bridge. So it's not in the way whatsoever. Yeah. 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 That makes it, uh, made it make the way you described it made it sound simple. I hope, uh, I hope it's as simple as, <laughs> uh, as simple as it is for me. I, I, I will be completely honest here, man. I'm excited to use a saddle, but I am nervous to have a target animal, especially like, let's say I go put my trail cameras out on Sunday. I start getting pictures, you know, when I go check my trail cameras, there's a giant uh -huh. walking around and he stays on the farm. And then, he, you know, so it's just, I've had, you know, on a tree stand, I feel like you can get around, you can turn around, you can stand up, you can maneuver, you can move your bow over to one side of the tree. That's the thing that I'm going to have to be practicing right now uh, in that saddle yeah. is to get around, you know, get around the tree and practice those weak side shots, you know, practice like, you know, rotating away from the tree and, and things like that. And so... um it's just about practice and I know I'll, I'll get it when it, when it's time, but I can't, I can't help but think of one position where deer came in, um, which would have been on my draw side on this pond levee. And I would have to either come over to, or like swing underneath and come, uh, that way or wrap all the way around and come, uh, the other way. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, like again, like I said, again, pra it's all about practice. It is. And the thing about like what you just said, I guarantee you the first deer. Now you've shot, uh, you've killed an animal out of your saddle so far. No, not yet. Nope. Not yet. Okay. So majority of people, I swear the, the first deer they kill, whether it's a doe or a buck, it's always going to be on that weak side shot. Mm -hmm. Like my first deer was like all my buddies when they transition to a saddle or whatever, they're like, man, I swear it's always that weak side shot that you kill your first deer on. But so the thing about that, when you have that tree in front of you, so, you know, that's your 12 o'clock, right? I would say from your strong side, then is 12, 11, right? 10, nine, eight. Once you get to that six o'clock, that's your drop shot. Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable being able to swing like continuously around to about four o'clock. Then well, like on that clock face. Then from there, again, like I mentioned, I post, I tether posted the video. Uh, it was a reel where I talked about like taking that weak side shot from your strong side mm -hmm. where, so you're, you're a right-handed shooter, right? Yep. So I always stick as a right-handed shooter, your sticks shoot, like, I don't want to say shoot because it's not like a rule, but I prefer it on my left side of the platform. Mm -hmm. So then, like I was saying to you earlier, I'm able to drop down, put my foot on that. So in an extension of the platform. So then uh, my gotcha. left knee, so my left knee is on the side of the tree basically. And then now I have that solid base and I could shoot that weak side shot. That's where that 360 really comes into play, like mm -hmm. around the tree. And then, um, 
you know, the one thing that I tell people to practice a lot is how they put their backs to the tree. So again, my bow's in my left hand and with my tether, my right hand's in my tether spot. And I just pull myself up and all I'm doing is just putting that, I'm ducking under it. So it goes over my right shoulder, my back's then to the tree. So like once you, like I said to you earlier, just get a foot off the ground and practice those like movements. Like yep. obviously now, because I've done it for so long, like for a couple of years and I practice it a lot, I could do it so quick and easy. Um, but you know, and the number one thing is I, I always tell when I'm working with individuals for their first time trying it or adjusting it, I just be athletic, yeah. right? Like be in that, in athletic position, move on it. Like don't let the rope dictate where you're going to go. Like you dictate where you're going to go. Right. Um, you know, kind of like when you're lifting weights, like you don't let the weight lift you, you lift the weight. Yeah. What other tips does a guy, and when I say a guy, I say me, need yep. to know before committing to a saddle hunt? I, I think it's going to, you, the practice, I know we just talked about all the, how important practice really is, but I, I can't stress it enough just because the season that I really transitioned I'm telling you, Dan, I practice so much like daily and I have a buddy, a friend of mine that he's never hunted out of one. Uh, he's got squared away with all uh, with his kit right now. And he's practicing every day and he's five, six days in practice. And he's like, dude, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I, I just think the more you practice, the more you're going to be uh, comfortable in it. But the thing is also trust the equipment. Yeah. Right. Like you, like if, like I was saying earlier, that drop shot, that six o'clock, mm -hmm. like you don't want to be hindered and in leaning into your right side. You want to be leaning your left hip into that saddle and just being floating over it and being able to get that shot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and obviously the cool thing about that, if you used to want to practice from an elevated position in a, in a tree stand, you're constantly climbing up and down while you're practicing in the yard shooting with the saddle you could get a couple a stick high and really be in your form position i mean that was the one thing transitioning for me that i felt was a huge benefit for me was almost already being in that natural shooting position because of bending at the waist and and just being there so that's the one yeah. one aspect that i've i've really have come to go but i mean honestly dan it, the main thing is honestly practice and it's going to take time. It's not a quick overnight adjustment. It might be, you know, getting like, I know if you, I know you, you're, you're, you go to your spots when it's getting ready here mm -hmm. in Iowa, but those couple times, like maybe get out for a doe hunt somewhere random yeah. in October, a couple times just to get, get used to it and, yep. uh, you know, be ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. I think October one, I'll probably just bounce around on some public and uh, get get the ball. I mean, I, uh, I need to shoot a doe anyway to uh, get some meat in the freezer this year because yep. I'm running low. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm almost out of everything uh, that, yeah. except some, some deer sticks. But outside of that, I um, – what was I going to say? Oh, outside of that, I need to kill a doe anyway. And I think you're 100% right putting myself in a position uh, with some does – I think it's going to be the best, the best thing. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, and also I messed up on a buck the 21 season where I just went full idiot and mm -hmm. didn't trust my process of 
pulling myself and doing that weak side shot where I was trying to go over mm -hmm. and like as I was going over and drawing back and trying to get situated I accidentally hit the trigger and it like sailed and the deer like ran away yeah. ran away I'm like okay well if I would have just taken my time and did what I was supposed to do in in a weak side shot yeah I would have you know what I mean I just got too like excited and too mentally like oh my gosh just turn just turn yep and I when I should have just pulled myself up, turn, and it would have been a normal <laughs> little chip shot. Again, you, you learned in those moments. And what I said to you last time, when you, I've learned a hell of a lot more from my failures than my successes. And, yeah. and that was one of them. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. I just don't want that failure to be on a uh, Boone and Crockett. On a big, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and again, I, I think, I, I think the whole, getting out a little bit early time right. to shoot a doe in right. situations that is going to elevate your confidence tremendously. And you're going to feel like, okay, you know, I, no matter what situation or comes right. about, I will feel confident that I could get the job done. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. I am trying to think about what else I've, I like I need to change or get ready for the season, but my, my bow is ready. My arrows are ready. My broadheads are ready. Like I'm like, I'm, I think from my arrow standpoint, I'm ready to go. Um, my, my saddle equipment. I mean, I have it. I just need to fine tune it. My, my gear, I have everything I need for gear. Uh, I think I'm good to go for the season. I don't like other than maybe a, a last minute boot purchase. Um, yeah, I, I've been running the same crispy boots now for a very long time, and I think this might be year number five on them. And they're wow. still they're still in decent shape. They don't hold the waterproofing anymore, but they're st they're just perfectly broken and they're so comfortable. And I don't yeah. like it. It usually doesn't rain when I go to South Dakota, and if it rains when I'm in Iowa, it's not a big deal. I just wear a different pair of boots. Because, you know, you just walk into a tree. Yeah. It's not like right. I'm putting on miles and miles out in the uh, Badlands. So, I don't know. I, I Other than other than a pair of boots, I think I'm set for all, all my gear this year. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty dialed in with everything. Um, I just need to finish, like I said earlier, getting the, the cameras out and just shooting a little bit more and... Mm -hmm. and be ready to go when when it's time to come like like i said earlier the first hunt for me potentially could be in september in maryland so it's just going to be a quick one it might yep. be just a a friday saturday or potentially even just a saturday um and go another maybe weekend type of day trip again yep. um but you know i just it, we'll be able to test out some some stuff yeah absolutely man well hey i tell you what um, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with us about gear. Uh, thanks for the insight on saddles because uh, I, I have a feeling I'm going to probably be texting you or, or trying to get you on <laughs> the phone when I'm up in the tree saying, okay, what about this? How do I overcome yep. this? And so it's always, I, I, there's a lot of people here on the network that do saddle hunt. So it's, you know, there's a lot of people I can talk to, but Jeremy, man, I appreciate your time today. Dan, no problem. Thank you.